to finally hear this uh, tribute, this long-awaited tribute you you've wanted to pay to uh, the Derry Pele. Did you did you ever get to see him play, Dave? In in the flesh, or how many times did you get to see him play in the flesh? Uh, not enough. Maybe I don't know, forty, fifty. Really? No, maybe not that many. Thirty, maybe. Did he play that many games? Yeah, well, you, you play fifteen minutes or so, and yeah. then have a lie down. How many? How many? Uh, and, and excuse me for overusing this term for the whole show. How many mazy runs did he go on in the times you saw him? I'd uh, say about four thousand. Yeah, in forty games. Sounds yeah. about right. Mm-hmm. Sounds about right. Is there any any argument to make that it shouldn't have been the Derry Pele? Then it should have been the Derry. I mean, I wanted to say Ronaldinho, but you need to do. The, Derry Dino? No, that's Barry McNamee is the Ramilton Ronaldinho. Ramilton Ronaldinho, oh, fair enough. The Derry... Uh, oh. I was going to say Derry Dino, but it, it doesn't work out, people won't know. The Derry Deco? Yeah, probably not accurate at all. No, that's because it's Declan your name. Declan Devine be the Derry Deco. Derry Deco. Um, Derry... Uh, Derry Danielson. No, Danielson was shite. Yeah. Uh, the Derry... Derry Diego Maradona. Derry Diego would work. Yes, stop making, stop making me think of things. Oh, this has been a long-awaited show, Dave Donnelly. We're going to talk about the Derry Pele Paddy McCourt uh, discovered in Derry by uh, a scout he knew working for Rochdale, who brought him across. He. he didn't uh, didn't spend too long at Rochdale, I don't believe. I don't know too much about that early part of his career, I have to say. No, nobody does, did he? Mm, I don't think so. He, he's, he's briefly talked about it, but never really goes into a whole lot of detail. He just seemed to not enjoy it right from the off, by the sounds mm. of it. Um, got back to playing with Rovers. He and uh, Probably at the worst possible time, really, because Rovers were an absolute you know, melter of a club at that point. They were in a right old state, although he seemed to enjoy his time there. Yeah, well, he was at that point. I think he was the only, uh, the only contracted player in the squad, or the only one who was, <laughs> well, was making a bit of money. So he basically was worth just the did salt, what he wanted. Didn't he get about nine or ten goals in his first like fifteen? But he got a load of goals. Game. He was only there for a few months. Yeah. He got a load of goals, he and then got them. then got sold. So Rovers didn't go bust. Go into administration. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was back to Derry then, uh, yeah. where he meets up with one Stephen Kenny. Yeah, did quite well there. Yeah, and and apparently he's not Pat Scully or Roddy Hollins, but he's up there. <laughs> apparently. <coughs> at, his ta- at this time and, and this might lead us to the first time we talk about Paddy's fitness or his, his physical attributes compared to his, his unbelievable ball playing but Stephen Kearney apparently wrote him a, a letter about um, changes he could make and you know what he was capable of how, how good he could actually be um, which I've, I've heard Paddy McCord talking about interesting that like I mean it's early early in his career Stephen Kenny. it also is like why are you writing him a letter you work with him but you know he's obviously Trying Old to, school. Yeah, well, he's, try, he's also trying to um, trying to make it land, I suppose. You, you're going to... Yeah. If someone says something to you and you're walking across them, if you get it in letter form, you're, you're probably going to be a little bit... Well, he's like, oh, no, Stephen Kenny knows where I live. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's his boss, I assume he knew where he lived anyway. But yeah, no, I think uh, I think his fitness and, and otherwise was a, a big part of his career, I suppose. It was kind of... Uh, Something that hung over him an awful lot, even at Celtic, I think uh, it was kind of well known that he was, you know, generally he wasn't trusted to play a full game. He was often, or mostly, he was a substitute when he come on and score a ridiculous goal, and then 
maybe go and have a nap afterwards and it was kind of uh you know that was kind of his thing but you know when you look at a player who's so outrageously talented as he is you know you wonder what he could have done if he if he was in the perfect physical state but i guess you know also it was just his his body in general you know he, he might not have had it in him to to, to beat a ronaldo or whatever like yeah. that who does but he's closer to ronaldinho isn't he in, in that he's like i love playing ball but i'm not arse training slightly that's per- that's probably a bit harsh actually because yeah. I, I don't think it was that he's not arse training but he definitely said i've, I've heard again some great little interviews you can find we'll mention them maybe towards the end of the show but he he very much just said i hate the physical side of the game hated mm. it hated running hated running despite looking yeah. at him doing these incredible as I said earlier mazy runs and you're like you can't hate running that's a big part of of what's spectacular about you you know I think when you have these sort of uh, people who can do a bit of something that others can't do if you even look at George Best similar enough even Paul McGrath you know he didn't train during the week yeah come in he'd be the best player on the pitch and then he wouldn't train there's until probably the next a few game. more reasons for that with Paul McGrath than there is with, with well, let's not get into that but no. you know uh, you know some players it's it's not really for them you know it's uh they, they wouldn't be the most physical people in the world he, he certainly wasn't and uh you know it's a you can look at it and say it's a shame that maybe he didn't kind of hit a higher level because he was maybe wasn't at the physical level of other players maybe at Celtic who who weren't as talented if you look at mm. even, even Neil McGinn is still going at if with um with Northern Ireland now, uh, he went over to Celtic at a similar time as Paddy and probably played an awful lot more because he was, I guess, in a more kind of um more of the mould of a of a Scottish league uh, winger. But you know, it's you know if you look at if you, if you look at what the goals that Paddy McCourt has scored in his career, you know you can't really can't really argue with no. that sort of talent. We should we should talk about the time he got involved, like uh, how how to move to Celtic, I suppose, came across because he was on trial with West Brom. Then got a call from Celtic. Uh, immediately went straight over to Celtic and <laughs> switching from West Brom, which is interesting actually later on because that would have been at, under Tony Mowbray at West Brom. He'd have been mm-hmm. all set to sign there. And then he would have ended up under Tony Mowbray at Celtic. And it actually worked out well enough for him because uh, apparently according to him, him, he really enjoyed playing under Mowbray. Mowbray rated him, clearly tried to get him in at West Brom. And mm-hmm. uh, there was no hard feelings about it. But I do remember him at that time being behind... Nakamura and Megidi when he first moved to, to Celtic so he was always going to find it very tough to get in there because both of those were sort top of, class players yeah, yeah and they were like and yeah it was a golden age in the careers of both those players they were, they were borderline household names in terms of how popular they were at Celtic like. yeah that's it and you know uh, probably a bit of bad luck in there as well in terms of the timing but um, he was going to a top club it wasn't as if you know going to Celtic maybe five years ago when they were at the, yeah. the low ebb or whatever and and going over there, and it's not the greatest league in the world. I think uh, at that stage, Rangers were still quite strong, weren't mm. they? They were yeah. still spending an awful lot of money yeah, on yeah, players and absolutely. stuff like that. And you know, it was quite competitive between the top two there, and even the, the teams below them weren't too bad. So it was a, I suppose it was a tough time to go over there. But um, yeah, I think uh, if he looks back in his time in Celtic, maybe he'll, he'll wish he played a bit more. But you know, if if you even looked at the highlight reel of the goals that he scored over there, the fact that he got into the Northern Ireland team fairly regularly during that time, you know, it wasn't a, it was probably the best part of his career. So you know, you have to you have to consider that as well. You have to take into account, I think, one of the big things about a player like this, and and I think Wezo is often one compared to him, and and I think the story of him with Neil Lennon, which I heard him talk about on I think it's called Open Goal, a podcast, uh, where Cy Ferry, a lad he used to play in Scotland, interviewed him. Um, so it's uh, worth a listen if you do get a chance because Paddy talks quite honestly, and that's really really good. But on the Lennon relationship, right? So essentially, Lennon came in, left him out completely, and 
he reckoned it was about, oh, he just wants to win, so he wasn't playing this. Then next season, he's ready to leave Paddy McCourt. He's ready to leave Celtic. He's like, I'm done here. The manager doesn't rate me. He doesn't want me. He's getting rid of me. And then they offer him a contract, and, and he actually probably has his best ever year for Celtic under Lennon that following year. And it probably speaks volumes about the kind of player he was, because you wouldn't say luxury player, but you would say maybe a player a manager's afraid to use. A bit like Wes, in terms of it'll destabilise my team. I just need a stable run. And I wonder, did he, did he have a little bit of that sometimes, that he was maybe in that Wes or mould of managers were a little bit afraid to use him. They didn't understand how to use him correctly all the time. Yeah, but could you argue that managers may be afraid to lose him? That they were maybe afraid of that a team around them was going to pick him up and then mm. he tear them apart in a different yeah, game? Yeah, you probably could make that argument. Although I imagine had he left Celtic, I, I, I imagine he moved to Celtic for the love of Celtic. I'm not sure he'd have played. He'd have wanted to play in Scotland. Although that's purely conjecture on my part. But no, maybe you're right. There, there probably is an element of them not wanting him. Although I think, isn't it, he was supposed to... Certainly Blackpool were after him. Blackpool when they'd been promoted to the Premier League. And this is one of the big things you do wonder. It's like, it would have been nice just to see how he got on in the Premier League. It probably would have cemented his name a little bit further in those players who, you know, when they kind of go, oh, greatest player to come out of the League of Ireland, do this and that and this and that. He, he probably should be talked about a bit more in that mould than he was. Yeah, but then I think if he was going to the Premier League, was he probably going to get as much time to do what he was going to do? Because... The Premier League at that stage was at a very high standard. Yeah. You know, it was and Blackpool would have been a physical enough team they as were, well. They were they were quite strong and like <laughs> they had a they had a, even like thing like Charlie Adam played for them as well and like he's I, I suppose maybe he might be doing a bit a little bit of a disservice but he wasn't probably the most technically gifted player. He maybe oh, yeah. maybe they don't you can do yeah. a disservice if you like. Yeah. Call him what he is. Call a spade a spade. He, he's a man who had a, a bit of a a good set piece and became a hatchet man later in his career. No, I'd say the opposite of that. He was Charlie Adam. Like, Incredibly good, technically. Oh, I don't know Liverpool. No, this isn't the Charlie Adam profile anyway. It's the, it's the Paddy McCourt profile. So we'll... Back on top, back on top. Back on top. <laughs> I went down to the bakery down in Kerry. There was a family bakery. John the Baker? Yeah, yeah. Not Pat the Baker, John the Baker. And I ran a bakery for a couple of years. So Were you any good? I didn't bake. I'll tell you, some of the best principles I've learned came from running that bakery. I remember going down the first week, there was £100,000 owed to the sheriff. And the health inspector was in within two weeks saying he was going to close the place. So I told the health inspector if he wanted to lose 40 jobs in Kerry, that was his business. He lived in Kerry. I think it was a bit ballsy, maybe, you know. And the sheriff, I wrote 10 post data checks out for, for a year, 10 grand a month. And thankfully, they all cleared. The one thing I've learned, like we built the stadium, the Viva Stadium, when I, when I got involved with the FAI. I think the same business principles apply to any business. So I didn't know how to build a stadium. I didn't know effectively how to run a pub. I knew the other side of the pub like any young lad. I don't know. I think he is your, your, your quintessential, naturally talented player with zero natural fitness. And, and I think that's probably why it didn't go on a bit longer at Celtic because you look at the... I mean, he, he clearly had spells. You know what I mean? If you take, for example, his first Celtic goal in the Cup was, again, one of those kind of runs. I can't remember who it was against. Goes by five players, scores. Next week, starts in the league, goes by six players, scores. <laughs> you know what I mean? He just, he just had this about him where he'd hit these spells of just playing this unbelievable football, but then clearly either lost fitness or got a bit of injury here or there. And, and it can happen. We've seen some, some really talented players uh, that that's happened to. But I suppose, I mean, ultimately, he's made well over, what is it, it's over 50, 60 appearances for Celtic, or 60 plus, and, and gotten a few goals that time and, and was 
he was very much a like a hero at that club. Like he was a beloved for for avid supporters of that club. They loved him. Yeah, I think any supporters would love a player who scores goals like that. But I think we take for granted that you know he he was naturally unfit or he wasn't fit or he was lazy or whatever. It's kind of the 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 kind of thing that people say. But I think you know if you look at Damien Duff around the same time in his career, you know he he would have the same complaints about him. Maybe he was mm. you know mercurial in a certain way didn't he nearly though like he nearly had a career and an injury duffer whereas as far as I don't it wasn't really a career and an injury it was just he same thing he would have been considered lazy he'd play the game he'd go home and lie on his couch for the next you know four (laughs) days but um, you know when when a bit like what Andrew does after this podcast you know exactly and clean up after his dog but (laughs) when when Duff went to Chelsea Chelsea diagnosed very quickly that he was running he wasn't running the right way he was running in a way that was making him you know it was far more physically intensive than it should have been whether something like that might have been the case with Paddy I don't know but so you know it's there's there's always little bits of luck you know you you might come across the right person and they might put you in the right the right framework or the right path and you know some players don't get that and that's a bit of luck that you get in this sport but um yeah, it's it's hard to know, but certainly, I think if he looks back over his career, particularly his spell at Celtic, his time in in the Northern Ireland team, you know, he he has an awful lot to be proud of, and you know, even if we're, it's kind of dangerous to say that, that he didn't make the most of his talent because oh, I of say that, yeah. whatever like that, because you know he's done some incredible things mm-hmm. in the game that probably nobody from Northern Ireland, nobody from probably Ireland even has done since George Best. This is exactly it, bar George Best, and as you mentioned, Duffer, you could probably put him in a certain mold like that, but. There's not really many players from this island who <laughs> who have been capable of that kind of not running past a player, not a James McLean sprinting past a player, an actual you know turning a player inside out completely, like running by a player skillfully. We're very limited in players that are, that have done that or can do that ever. It's your Johnny Giles thing, the whole street footballer that kind of um, I guess has been disappearing a little bit because the the demographics of Ireland in general are changing and. It's become probably less of a less of an urbanized um, an urbanized country where uh, just know, do what the rest of them do, blame it on playstations and Rubik's cubes yeah. and all that crack that the kids love. Well, look, I, I'm paraphrasing Johnny here. I'm not, I'm not fully <laughs> quoting him. You know, um, if, if you look at Troy Parrott or whatever and Wes Houlihan, you know, players who grew up on the streets, grew up playing in very small spaces, even you know like probably all of us growing up we probably all played football with tennis balls and back alleys and stuff like that around Dublin so it's kind of you know it's 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 something that's been part of the you know football and culture going back going back yonks but uh it's probably something that's less prominent now and maybe that's part of it but you know growing up in Derry where you know probably not an awful lot of green space and yeah uh, you know Paddy and might have been you know running around streets with a tennis ball or football or whatever and that's where you get those skills and when you're mm. when you're completely dedicated to just ball skills that's what you get you end up with players like that and hopefully we see more of them in the future and if you look at Troy Parrott maybe 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 he's our next one I know he's not the same sort of player but you know maybe he has the same instincts and instincts and hopefully that's uh, that's what we're looking forward yeah. to in the future so Paddy Paddy essentially then had spells after leaving Celtic where as I said he was a bit of a cult hero he Played with Barnsley, Brighton, Luton, a bit of time at Glenavon. But we remember his, his spell at Finn Harps because I think around the time we were doing this show, he'd was he back a year or, or had he only just returned when we started doing the show? I can't remember. But it, was, it was there, thereabouts. Mm. When well, we he, would have, he would have been back in Glenavon already. I think he um, his wife was ill, so he came, yeah, back to, yeah. came back to Northern Ireland. And, and thankfully, she's well again. Yeah. But um, yeah, then he ended up in Finn Harps. And I think, uh, you know, Ollie gets a, a bit of a 
a bit, a bit of a bad rap in terms of the football he plays, but you know he loves a flair player. Yeah, oh, and very when much. you know he would just send out Paddy onto the field and just say, "Do well, what you want." The Sligo goal is is the one yeah. we'll all remember for that because we were in. I don't think we were in the night of the game. It was either that or we were watching Soccer Republic. Maybe it was a Monday we were recording. Yeah, we were and recording. And we turned yeah. it on and we just, I think we watched it and then we watched it on repeat on Twitter a couple of minutes after and we're counting. It was like, oh, he's gone around 12 players. Yeah. He's gone around the subs. You know what I mean? Just seemed to be I more I love nothing more, more than when a player goes around somebody else and then says, oh, Go I haven't back. gone around him enough. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And that, that summed up his, his career so well, I thought. I love the fact that he, he's just looking for more players to take on. You it's know? like, you know, when you're a kid and like you're five and one of your brother's mates or something comes out into the field and like he's 10 or something like that and he has all the ball skills yeah. and you can't get near him because he's twice the size of you yeah. and also he just can keep the ball away yeah. from you. No, you're all running around <laughs> after him and he's just like, you know, doing whatever he wants. That's that's Paddy McCourt basically. It, just a, a flat track bully basically. I should I should just before we because we'll have to wrap it up in a minute. But he had a fairly solid international career as well in terms of like I mean, do you remember the was it San Marino? I think it was San Marino that little dinked goal. You know Estonia. what I mean? Estonia. Estonia. Sorry, it, but he wasn't without a couple of like highlights on that reel as well. And and I wondered and any chance because I I don't again I don't remember his first ever international game to be honest. Would any chance Rolf Gavarla could have poached him? Because he, you know, would have been. <sighs> I do. I have, and, and I know. For example, he he, he would he never would have got a game for no Republic of Ireland. I think fair enough. I, I'm sure look, being from Derry, he probably would have liked to. But yeah, I, well, that's, uh, that's what I wondered. I wondered was there ever any contact made even over that? Because I know, for example, when he would have talked about Robbie Keane on the podcast I mentioned earlier, he said he was absolutely starstruck, absolutely starstruck. Mm. Now I'm not saying. You know, you couldn't be anyway. To be fair, by a player, but he at this time they would have been he would have been up there at Celtic with him, and apparently he used to get a hard time from the rest of the Celtic players. By the way, he uh, <laughs> he followed Robbie around and would pick Robbie up from the airport, or yeah. you know what I mean. So uh, yeah, I, I just found that interesting. I'd yeah. love to. Well, I think back at back when Paddy was coming through, I think there was kind of an unwritten rule in the FAI that you don't approach Northern-born players, and yeah. I think that's slightly changed now, given that Northern Ireland openly approach Republic of Ireland players but uh, back then I think it was very much kind of a gentleman's agreement that they don't go near players unless they come and approach the FEI like James McLean did Fair enough as a, as a man who's been a long time and sort of banging the drum uh, about how we should talk more Paddy McCourt do you want to close this out with I mean can you pick one favourite goal is that possible to do? No there's too many Right can uh, you try and round it up? Oh, there's a good few of them now. The Sligo one is definitely up there. Um, uh, the Estonia goal that you mentioned as well. Uh, for it's Rovers the finish of that as well. Is it just an like, outrageous dink? Yeah. Outrageous. Outrageous. There was a couple in... I, I can't recall exactly who they were for Celtic. There was one against, like, I want to say, Kilmarnock. Yeah, maybe Falkirk as well. Yeah, I think. all, I think all those teams that yeah. were K's in them. Again, um, look, can, I, can I make a guess that they were Maisie Runs? You could make that guess. You you could be correct about that guess as well. Um, the I suppose the the ones that stick out in my mind the most are probably the ones that he scored when he first came back to the league. When particularly for Rovers, there was one against. There's one on YouTube against Bray that was as as you say again amazing. Run he went past about four players and then just slotted it home like he didn't even care. Uh, it was definitely I think he got a hat trick against Finn Harps, and at least two of them were absolute ridiculous goals. And that was just kind of the, you know, when McCaw came back to the league, it was kind of like, you know, the way watching Jack Byrne this year, and you're kind of mm. like, 
he's just doing stupid things. <laughs> it was kind of well, like that with McCart when he came back. He was yeah. sort of like, what's he doing here? <laughs> and, you know, eventually, you know, he, he wasn't here anymore because he just, there was no reason for him to be here. <laughs> he just needed to be somewhere bigger and he went on to something more bigger and imagine you'll see that with Byrne as well. But, it's just, you know, just I think it's just a pleasure to watch. It was always a pleasure to watch. Even, you know, even when he was at Harps, he might not have been in the best shape of his life. He was still. I wonder when the best shape of his life was, now, to be fair.